So there is a trend in healthcare called direct to consumer, uh, which allows uh, patients aged fifty to sixty-four uh, using these services uh, and uh, for their prescriptions and through other services. Uh, the providers do a pretty good job. We're going to learn more about this, but. Uh, they may not share their interactions with these other providers with their own doctors, and that can lead to a communications gap that could harm them. I wanted to learn more about this from a guy that explains these things so well. Mark Fendrick is both a physician and an economist at the University of Michigan, professor in the Department of Internal Medicine and Health Management and Policy. Dr. Mark, good morning. Happy New Year, Guy. We're off to a great start with a national championship here in Ann Arbor, uh, Lions playoff victory, and I got to witness the Fab Four, Fab Five reunion yesterday. Yeah, so, how yeah. about that? First yeah. time back. Yeah, lots of hugs for for, for Juwan, and I, I'm sure that he's, you know, he kind of needs that support he right does. now, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that was appreciated. Help me with this direct-to-consumer thing. What kind of health services are we talking about? And just kind of give me the 411 on what kind of uh, what, what that means. Yeah, I hope all your listeners know what 411 means like we do, Guy, but I'm not sure Jamie does. But, but uh, <laughs> uh, if, you, if you're watching any of the fantastic sports in the past month, you're seeing lots of advertisements for mental health, women's health, um, cholesterol management, a whole bunch of things that uh, are now growing given that since the pandemic, a lot of people are quite happy getting their health care online. And while I'm uh, very much uh, for the use of telehealth or virtual health, what worries me is that there are safety and continuity concerns and that from the very beginning, I had some reservations about people getting medications and other services online and not telling their clinicians about them, which because, you know, drugs have different interactions and people have certain types of allergies, uh, I want to make sure that people know to tell their clinicians and clinicians know to ask their patients. Do you think um, older Americans not using these services, they're a little nervous their personal information could get out there? Well, there's lots of reasons, Jamie. You know that old folks like us are a little bit slower to adopt stuff online compared to younger folks like you. What was very interesting of our poll from the National Poll on Healthy Aging is that roughly uh, about one in 10 people are already using this in this age group, but almost half when asked explicitly, would they be interested in using in the future uh, said they're likely to do so. So I I think this is only going to grow as you see the large number of vendors getting into this space. And and given what we talked about last time, Jamie, about these really impressive anti-obesity medications, mm-hmm. you may have heard that one of the largest manufacturers has launched something called Lily Direct in that the people who want to get these medications can go directly to an online source and not to their regular clinician to have access to these difficult to, to get medication. Uh, Professor, what, what are the implications, what implications do the, um, the poll have for patient safety and continuity of care? Yeah, Lloyd, this is exactly why I'm so glad you folks invited me back on. I, I, I'm all for technological innovation. I'm all for the fact that almost all the pollsters who used these services said they did it for convenience. You know that there's a tremendous backlog to get into general practitioners like myself. So the, the, the key issue is not that people should not be using these services, in my opinion. What they should be doing is making sure that if they're getting a prescription from one of these online services, that they write in their note when they see their clinician next time and say, by the way, I just got a prescription to manage my blank 
mm-hmm. from an online provider. Because I, I do have worries, uh, Lloyd, that there, as you know, that uh, when you take one drug alone, it's fine. But sometimes drugs uh, don't mix well, mm-hmm. and they have concerns over their interactions. And then there's always the issue of a hidden allergy that may not be asked for, may not be remembered when a patient was online, that may lead to really serious health consequences in a negative way. Regarding the direct-to-consumer services, what services are the most appropriate for this kind of telehealth option? I know folks think it's very convenient. Does it save money? And which services work best? Yeah. Predictions are dangerous, particularly those about the future. Right, Guy, you know, our favorite Yogi Berra quote. Um, So it really depends on the person. So the idea that various people have certainly various preferences about which ones look best, which is really interesting and not surprising probably to you, is that in the early phases of this growth of these online services, most people were uh, paying their own money. In other words, they were not using their insurance to get these things covered. So in terms of actual savings or dissatisfaction with their own providers, that was not really a clear motivator. I think it's convenience that is driving this. It's the convenience that drives me to no longer go to the supermarket every week and and click away and and pick up my groceries. So we have to hopefully combine the real positive benefit guy of the convenience to patients, particularly those who are increasingly frustrated about their inability to get in to see their clinician, or some people in Michigan can't even find a primary care provider. Mm. But when they do find their provider, you know, the key message here is if you're using an online source, like I've said for years, if you're taking vitamins or other supplements, these things have important health ramifications. And it's really important for you and your clinician to be on the same page. Professor, there's one thing when you talk about uh, using uh, direct-to-consumer services for, you know, general health, maybe skin care or weight management. What about mental health? This has probably been the greatest plus in terms of the virtual health movement. We have, A, a very important rise in people needing mental health services, and we have nowhere near the supply in Michigan and nationally to take up for that in terms of face-to-face or uh, people having in-office visits. So uh, I am very much for the growth uh, of the mental health services online, and I think that they are going to continue to rise. But uh, again, we showed that of the people who used the services, 60% got a prescription, Lloyd. So, you know, and you know, while these antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications are so valuable in terms of health, they do interact with other medications and they are important in in terms of knowing if you're seeing a behavioral therapist or getting some non-medication therapy for your mental health problems or something else. So I have to say, I love that you call me a professor because I feel like the guy on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> well, then get, then get on your bike and give us some more power, will you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Fendrick, it's always a pleasure to connect. And, and I guess the, the, take, the main takeaway is if you use direct-to-consumer, uh, by all means, share that information with your primary care physician if you have one. Thanks for your time, doctor. Great. Thanks, Guy. You know, you saying that message is so compelling and important. I appreciate the three of you having me on. All right. And we appreciate you. Have a great week.